The presenting sponsor for this season of Wild Ideas Worth Living is Ford. Their 2021 Ford Bronco Sport is the SUV that'll get you to your outdoor adventures. It's an off-road SUV built for the thrill seeker, the sightseer, and the day tripper. This SUV has many available features to help you get to your destination. With enough ground clearance, off-roading capabilities, and purposeful design that includes easy-to-clean surfaces and plenty of interior space, this SUV is your gateway to the outdoors. The Ford Bronco Sport is equipped to help you get out there, to the mountain ranges, the woodland trails, and to the coast. You can learn more about what the Bronco Sport has to offer at Ford.com or in our show notes. David, you're too close in. Veer out, veer out a little bit. Stay right there. There you go. Good job. Keep going. Come on, let's go. We're at the 30 meter mark. Come on, pick it up now. This is how Jerome Avery guides David Brown as they run races together. David is legally blind and Jerome is his guide. They run side by side, inches apart, connected by a tiny leather string that's wrapped around their fingers. As a team, they call themselves bravery. It balances out because where his strong point is, is my weak point. Yeah. You know, like I need help with my arm swings and he helps with that. You know, he needs help with his chicken legs and I help <laughs> with that. So. <laughs> for most people, sprinting is an individual sport, but obviously not for these guys. Neither of them could just put their head down and run. They're tied together. David is blindfolded and Jerome is calling out commands. Still, they're able to run at world-class speeds. David holds the 100-meter world record as a blind runner, and he's known as the fastest blind sprinter in the entire world. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. David and Jerome have run together almost every day for the past six years. They practice together in Chula Vista, California, and interestingly enough, their coach is actually my old high school track coach. We'll get to that, but for now, I want to back up and talk about how David lost his vision and took up running. So I read that you weren't born blind. Is there any way you can talk about the experience of going blind and what that was like, especially as a teenager? Yeah, so um, age of 15 months old, I came down with a disease called Kawasaki's and it gave me glaucoma. And when I was three years old, I had a surgery for my left eye, caused it to shrink into its eye socket. And when I was six, uh, the vision in my right eye started going bad and my vision started decreasing gradually over the span of seven years. And so from the age of six to 13, you know, I'm going blind. And back then I played basketball and a lot of things like football, baseball and those things started hitting me in the face. So it was a <laughs> very uh, frustrating and confusing. And um, when I was 11, I moved to St. Louis to attend the Missouri School for the Blind. And that's when a lot of things actually changed because, of course, that's geared towards blind people. So I was able to do sports that blind people can do and, um, of course, read and write and all those other things. That's really cool. You went to a school for blind people. I mean, your mom... Sounds like she was a rock star as well. Yeah, she actually packed up and moved from Kansas City with me to St. Louis just so I wouldn't have to be a residential athlete, her and my sisters. So, you know, I really appreciate them for that. How did you get into running then? So I grew up 
running up and down the basketball court. And then um, from there, since my vision started going bad, I got into running because I was able to see where I was going and wasn't bumping into anything. So I challenged my friends to foot races and stuff. And I was running just super fast. And if my friends jumped down in front of me, I was able to dodge them and just keep on running. And just the way that I felt when I was running, just how fast I was going and the freedom that I felt, that's what you know I love about it to this day. And when I moved to St. Louis, Missouri, that's actually when I got into track in particular. So I was running before then. I was just sprinting and going as fast as I could. But then um, I started doing more structured track and field and, you know, long jump and all that other stuff when I moved to St. Louis and things just started changing from then. You know, the coach saw how fast I was going, just running around the track. And he was like, you know what? This kid is going to be something. In 2012, David won a contest and was selected as one of 25 emerging athletes to travel as a spectator to a major international running competition. It was there where he clarified his dream. He was going to become a professional runner. Meanwhile, Jerome was already an accomplished runner, but he was just learning about the art of guide running. A good friend at the time that I was training with was a leg amputee. And he had pretty much said after I was ready to go home and, you know, call it a season, he pretty much said, hey, do I want to go to Athens, Greece as a guide runner? And, you know, that's the first thing I thought about was Athens, Greece. I've never been to Athens, Greece. And then I was like, I've never been around anybody who was blind. And the opportunity had opened up and I just went for it. And I just continued to, you know, get better as a guide runner through the years of working with so many talented athletes. And here I am this day with, uh, you know, David Brown doing some amazing things. Okay, so this is the part in the story where my old track coach comes in. Joaquim Cruz is one of the fastest 800-meter runners in history. After his professional running career, he had a brief stint coaching my high school track team at La Jolla High. Now, Coach Cruz is David's coach in Chula Vista, California. When he started working with David, Joaquim saw that he had strength and he had power, but in order to unleash his full potential, David needed a guide runner. So they found Jerome and brought Jerome to his team. So what was it like the first time you guys trained like this? Do you remember? Well, I remember the first time I actually started running with a guide. It it felt so weird. My first time actually running with a guide was actually with Jerome in 2010, surprisingly. Yeah, sure was, um, huh? Yeah, um, how that came about was um, I was given a chance, an opportunity to run on a relay team alongside him and some other athletes. And I was paired up with Jerome. And that was my first time ever running with a guide and even running with a tether. And like I said, just going from running by myself to now I have to learn how to run with somebody else and listen to them and, you know, even just get a feel of the track, you know, uh, as far as like uh, a curve goes or the straightaway. And then now here we're getting introduced to a relay. I didn't even know that blind people could do a relay. (laughs) It was just so new to me. Like um, it was so crazy. But in 2014, me and and Jerome was paired up. I've been running for about two years at that time. And 
that's when I guess you could say I found uh, another uh, boost of speed in me was when I paired up with Jerome. I was able to run with a guide who was uh, experienced and who knew what he was doing and you know, was confident and comfortable in what he was doing. And so I was able to just kick in the gear and you know find out what I had. And not only that, just realized how fast Jerome was compared to where I was at that time. I'm like, man, you know what? <laughs> I could actually go as fast as I want to and <laughs> not have to worry about running this dude down. So, you know, I just cut loose. I know anyone who listens to this is going to be like, how the heck does this work? So can you tell me the nitty gritty of how you two run together? What happens is we're synchronizing our steps like a three-legged race. We're no more than like three to four inches apart from each other. And when we're running, I know I can't see where I'm going. So I'm running completely blindfolded. I have galls underneath like these um, sleep shades. So it makes me completely blind as well as everybody else who I'll compete against. You know, so it's required for us to wear the gauze pads as well as the sleeve shades or some form of eye covering to where we can't see through it. And when we're out there running, since I can't see where I'm going, I can run into Jerome. I can run away from Jerome. So Jerome is, you know, literally pushing and pulling me in, you know, and um, it's a lot of work, you know, in order to one, keep me in the lane because we only have two lanes uh, that's given to us. So there's four people in a final. So it makes it a lot harder for us to get into a final. And then, you know, it's uh, very hard to stay in sync. Jerome, you can talk about that if you want. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's very important to communicate. David needs to know where he's at on the track at all times, from the beginning of the race to the end of the race. You know, and those are the important things. Like David touched on, we're allowed two lanes. And within those two lanes, we can go in and out of that. As long as he doesn't step on the outside lane and I don't step on the outside lane, he's fine. So that middle line, it doesn't exist for us. You know, it's just two lanes that's one big lane. And like you said, I mean, he may veer in a, l- a little bit and I'll use that arm with our, um, as, our, as we're running with the tether side and I'd veer it in and out. So it's almost like a steering wheel while we're running. If he veers into me a little bit and once again, communication, David, you're too close in. Veer out, veer out a little bit. Stay right there. There you go. Good job. Keep going. Come on, let's go. We're at the 30 meter mark. Come on, pick it up now. So these are the things that I'm constantly saying while we're running 100 meters. So I got to make sure once again that... I'm in shape and ready to go because David needs to hear those things. He needs to know exactly where he's where he's at. So a perfect example. It's almost like, you know, you're doing a workout and you have your strength coach saying, all right, give me two more. Give me one more. And if he and if you know you got one more in you and he's and he's yelling that out to you and motivating you and pumping you up, you're going to give it up. Give it your all. And that's when I'll say, give five more meters. And that five more meters before that finish line, David is just pumping through that finish line. And I, at the last little bit, I don't know, I don't think I said this, but when he crosses the finish line, I have to veer back. David has to cross first. And if, or if I cross first, he'll get disqualified. So we're in cadence running, but at that last couple of, couple of feet, 
I'll slightly veer back a little bit just so he can take the lead and cross that finish line. Yeah, there's like a split second of just like a pause. And then I will lean forward and he's just like hovering in midair almost. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Basically, he is absolutely right. It's something like it's just that quick to where you don't even see it. And you don't like if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. That's awesome. Is there anything you guys do like technique wise to be so in sync when you run? I mean, how long did it really take for you guys to find your rhythm? David just has to run. Run like he's been running. And of course, our coach teaches us technique and everything. But my job is to mimic and run like David and not have David try to run like me. So I'm just going pretty much off of him, you know, and what he has going on. You want to touch on that, David? Yeah, I mean, uh, Jerome and I, we have two different kinds of running styles, and he talks about this a lot. You know, Jerome, he's a pretty boy kind of runner, you know, very... (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Yeah, I'm technical and prancy. You know, I have these... Long levers. So when I'm yeah, running, long you can levers. see my form. I have great technique and form. form. And yeah, then when David has, uh, is running, aggressive muscle, power, explosive. Yeah, I'm very explosive. That's the thing. Like my strong point is at least like the first 30 meters is my strong suit. Like Jerome talks about it a lot. He's like, I'll be a great 60 meter runner. Yeah, you, know? you definitely would. So, pure power and speed. And I come out, I'm hitting the ground hard and I'm just quick with my feet you know and if you see us um, i mean our builds are totally different too he his glutes his legs are bigger than mine i got chicken legs but my upper body (laughs) (laughs) my upper body is is bigger than his so it's it's totally opposite so if we took half of each other's bodies and formed one person we might be the fastest person on the in the world i love it we may go like eight nine we might give him we might give you saying to run for his money (laughs) so is there a lot of what's going on right here uh, going on like lots of banter and like any smack talking or of course of course (laughs) i think the relationship the relationship that we have i mean we developed that we're more or less brothers now you know so you know ups and downs just like any relationship or just even that motivation where he knows the right things to say to get me pumped up or i know the right things to say to get him pumped up but nothing intentionally to make us get mad at each other. It just gets us mm. fired up and ready to practice. You know, he'll always throw in my age, my age, you know, oh, you're getting old. You can't keep up now. And then I was like, okay, I'll show you. And then I'll say something. And when David gets quiet while we're training, ah, uh, he's ru- he's, he's ready to go. That means he's ready to go. If, if David doesn't say nothing in practice, he's ready. He's focused. He's honed in and, and he's fired up. And those are just those different things. We know what to do and say to get each other motivated and pumped up. I love it. What's the difference between your ages? Jerome, how old are you? I just turned 42. Yeah. And David? I'm 28. Spring chicken. Love it. (laughs) Youngin. So you got the seasoned chicken and the spring chicken. (laughs) (laughs) So when you guys are racing, what body parts do you pay attention to? Like what is the movement that you're listening to? feeling yeah so me honestly um i'm focusing on because and this is something that uh is still carrying over from when i was running in high school so when i was running in high school at the school for the blind we run on these things called no wires 
So we're literally holding on to a wire and I'm just running with one arm. And so when I started running with a guide, I'm now having to pump both arms and having to do that, you know, after running on just a wire and running with just one arm for a long time, you know, I cannot compute long story short. And then I ran with a few guides too that really didn't stay in sync with me. So a lot of the time I had to keep my arm like just by myself as they would pump their arms and stuff like that. Just because of course we were run out of sync and then like things were just getting messy. Tether would fly off and stuff like that. Like I said, just stuff was just getting messy. So what I'm focusing on when I'm running a lot is honestly my arm swing, you know, and Jerome reminds me of that a lot too. And that's his strong suit. You know, like I said, his uh, strength is my weakness. So he's like, arms, arms, (laughs) you know, and he's constantly telling me that. And I'm like, okay, arms, arms. And then that just pretty much helps my legs because my legs know what to do. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think, the arms are very important and cadence is very important to match his cadence and becoming one person while we're running. So like David said, that arm, that controls pretty much everything, like our cadence, our movement. And once again, if we're, if if one of us arms goes up and the other ones are back, we're not in sync like he was saying. So we have to continue to be in sync and, and just going off that arm, that controls it all. You can tell these two know a lot about each other's running styles and mindsets. I guess that's what happens when you've been tethered together and training together on the track for six years straight. When we come back, David and Jerome share their team nickname, their at-home training hacks, and they talk about what it was like to win their first major race. Swiss performance running brand On has taken the athletic footwear market by storm. Driven primarily by peer recommendation, runners all over the world are quickly discovering the superior performance and running sensation that comes with On Gear and their award-winning CloudTech outsoles. The highly adaptive system cushions horizontally and vertically for soft landings and explosive takeoffs. They call it Running On Clouds, and it's made On the fastest-growing sportswear brand in the U.S., helping millions of fans run personal bests across the globe. The latest trail running shoe from On, the Cloud Ultra, is exclusively available at REI stores and REI.com. In 2016, David and Jerome competed as a team in a major international competition. Although Jerome had competed there before, it was David's first time there as a competitor, and they both took home their first wins. So you guys won first place at a major international race in 2016, which really brought you into the public eye as one of the fastest duos in the entire world. What was that moment like for you? Oh, it was a great it was it was a great feeling um, coming back in rebuilding and, and getting the opportunity to work with David in 2014 moving forward. He was prepared. He was ready to go. All I had to do was just do my job as a guide runner. And I knew everything else would take care of itself. 
But having him on that podium, seeing the the smile, and I don't know if he remembered this, but afterwards, you know, I usually take him to his mom. Once we cross the finish line, that's the first place I take him to is, is his mom, so his mom could see him. And he broke out in a dance. Oh my God, you guys! <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I want to see this uh, dance. He, we might have to get a replay uh, yeah, of this. Yeah, he broke out in a dance. But I mean, just that excitement and that thrill of of being a part of something special and and something that has never been done. So it was it was all big. Badass, David. I mean, so you are basically the fastest blind man in the world. I also what hold the it? world record, actually, in the one hundred meters as well. So. We hold the world record for the whole totally blind classification with 1092. So I'm the first blind athlete to go under 11 seconds in the 100 meters. That's amazing. I don't know anybody who runs 100 under 11 seconds, except for you now. <laughs> and Jerome. Yeah, this and is Jerome. True. I know don't two leave people. me out. <laughs> so I love that you guys combined your last names, Brown and Avery, and your team Bravery. He'll tell you the story on that one. Yeah, my sister actually came up with that. So one day I was just texting with my sister and she was throwing together just some marketing stuff for us, you know, and everything else. And then all of a sudden she just randomly said, yeah, just got to get this team bravery thing going. You know, this Brown and Avery. I was like, bravery. That's dope. (laughs) It's pretty dope. Yeah, I'm like, I give you that. It's definitely dope. But um, I took it serious and I was like, you know what? I dished off this drum and he was like, I like that. <laughs> and that was it until I thought about, wait, 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 Brown. April. Oh, that's our last names. You know, it took me a little bit, but we got it. Yeah. I it was it. funny because for a while it took him a second. He was like, so where did your name come in? I'm like the BR. <laughs> Team Bravery. I love that. When Jerome and David train together, they aren't just practicing to increase their speed and strength. They have to practice what it feels like to run together as a synchronized unit. When you watch them run, their feet hit the ground at almost the exact same time. And Jerome's job as a guide is pretty complex. He not only has to stay faster than David so he can keep up with him if David gets a second win, but he also has to be in good enough shape where he can talk to David and motivate him and give him commands while running at record speeds. So what does training look like for you guys? Like what's, can you, one of you walk me through a typical day of training? Uh, Well, our days are broken up. We train six days a week and um, it's broken up Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays are, uh, well, for me, shall I say, because drums, it's switched, but um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays are my lifting days, as well as uh, sprints and um, mechanics. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays are a little uh, longer days, so speed endurance or endurance days, where we may do um, a fart leg. You know what that is? Fart legs where you go slow and then fast, and yeah, you just mix I'm it like, up. You were with Coach Cruz. You know what that is. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, the fart legs. Or we may do a circuit day on, or um, we may do uh, some sprints, some short sprints, uh, more volume. That's what it usually comes to on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And then Sundays is our rest day. You know, Jerome, you want to say 
what you do? Um, so, so those we meet up now since everything has been has changed and our schedule has changed. We meet up at least three to four times a week. It all depends on on you know what we have going on for the most part, but it's usually three to four times a week. And in between, then I'm making sure that I got to stay in shape and ready to go too. So the days that I don't meet up with with David, I'll be doing my own training as well because not only do I need to run alongside of him, but I definitely need to make sure I'm faster than him as well too, just in case you know. Because David sometimes will sneak out and and jump out real quick, and I got to make sure I'm able to react to him, no matter how fast he goes. So those are the things, you know, I definitely have to make sure I'm ready. And even then, if we're doing a workout together, I'll actually do an extra one at my tempo. You know, those, those are the things that are very important as a guide runner. I can't only just run with him, but I have to be faster than him and stronger, you know, cause, uh, David, <laughs> he's a bulldog and he'll push you all over the place. If you ain't, if you ain't strong enough to handle it. It's not easy what he does or like, should I say what we do? You know, it's, um, it's a lot of give, like literal give and take pushing and pulling out there. <laughs> so you guys, the pandemic obviously has changed the way we do podcasts. It's changed everything. How has it affected your training? Well, it affected us in the sense of like Jerome mentioned, we only see each other like three days a week now, but, um, you know, the grind never stops, you know, uh, we're finding ways to adapt and do things where we are in the sense of like our home gyms and stuff like that. And when we do meet up, we make sure it's good quality work. Coach Cruz has been doing a great job putting together workouts um, while we're in quarantine. And even when we do meet up to make it just honestly butt kicker workouts, you know, and I've been enjoying this training the way that we've been training and doing the things that we've been doing. We've been making some great gains and, you know, this season should be a great season, honestly. I mean, Jerome? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I honestly, you know, it was a, a blessing in disguise. It allowed us to to honestly heal our bodies and focus on refocus, re, you know, and work on things that we felt like we needed to. Mine was mainly nutrition and, and recovery. You know, we constantly train in and out. all For the whole year, pretty much. And we only take maybe a month off, if that. So, and, and I'm talking about with competitions week after week. So our body is healed now, you know, our body is recovered. We're able to strengthen certain areas that we felt that we were lacking. Um, David to speak on nutrition, just those small little things that we were able to hone in and work on. So it was a blessing in disguise, if you ask me. And on top of that, I mean, I think though it it also allowed us to get away from the training facility and 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 practice at parks, practice where it was an open field away from a lot of people. So we were able to have different scenery of training because you know if you train in the same spot so much, you get cabin fever and and you know you're ready for something different, you're ready for something else. And that's one thing that is great about having Coach Cruz as your coach, someone who is elite and been there before. You know, he he understands, you know, okay, let's move to somewhere else. I see how your guys' body is looking. I see what you guys are running. Let's let's go somewhere else. And he noticed once we're in a different environment in a different area, how well we'll adapt to it. So those are the good things about having a great coach and an experienced an ex- experienced coach um, with us every day. Yeah, I feel this is giving me a chance and an opportunity to actually, like, I would say explore myself as an athlete, you know, um, be able to adapt to the situation. You know, before I was even 
at the training center. What helped me get to the training center was I was doing a lot of stuff from my house, you know, kind of like what I'm doing now, you know, whether it be drills or um, strength and conditioning, whatever it may be, you know, it kind of reminds me of getting just back to my roots and what I was doing when I was a teenager. The love of the sport is coming back and, you know, the feel is getting fired up again. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> do you guys have any advice for people who are, you know, not be able to hit the track Any stay at home tips for, for training to stay active and fit while we're still in Southern California, kind of on semi lockdown. I mean, the best thing, my tips is to, um, well, go on walks. Me and my girlfriend been going on a lot of walks lately you know, and that's one way to stay active. And, you know, you don't have to have those hard hitting, ah, you know, pumping walks, you know, just go on a walk, get outside, grab a jump rope. You know, I've been hitting jump rope a lot and that's been one way to stay good in cardio based. And then if you want to do a little more track specific stuff, you can always do um, walking drills. You know, I do walking drills and um, high knees and stuff. Um, I know Jerome mentioned uh are you still doing this, you know, like high knees on your bed and stuff? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So you can do stuff like that, too, where <laughs> high knees on your mattress, you know, just for some resistance training and stuff like that, you know. And How's that mattress holding up? Surprisingly, it actually works good, you know, because mm-hmm. the, fir- the first thing you want to do is your bodies want to sink when you're doing the high knees. Mm-hmm. But you got to focus on keeping your body in that position. Super tiring as well. Too. It's very tiring. It's great. You know, there's so much around us that we can actually utilize that we don't think about, especially when we have our track and have our gyms and have all these access to other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much around us. I've even just started walking or or doing stuff where I would go in and out of my building complex and just realize, oh, there's an incline right here. It's about like a 50 meter incline. I could do some heel runs right there or some quick explosive stuff. Huh? Why don't I utilize this this little lever to my balcony that opens up and I can do bo- box jumps pretty much or just different things like that. Now, let me tell you this. The balcony isn't where I would fall over on the other side. So so throw that out there. I mean, if you're in an apartment complex and you're like on the third floor, do some stair walks, you know, walk up and down the stairs. And that's one of those things. I just started utilizing everything that was around me. I started putting it to use. And started incorporating that in my day and day activities. Same here. And then, of course, you know, uh, I got med balls and stuff like that. So, of course, you can also purchase some equipment if you want to. You know, there is some pretty cheap prices out there, you know, for uh, some stuff if you want to do it. If anything, you know, Jerome was doing this. You know, he was talking about uh, filling up jugs of water and doing curls and stuff, right? Yeah. So there's so much around us. Partner up. If you have a partner that you're quarantining with... Partner up doing resistance stuff, doing weight stuff together, using them as as weights. I mean, there's so much that we can actually do. Talk to me about what's next. Obviously, there hasn't been a lot going on in the last year. Are you guys ready for the world championships? (sighs) I'm just going to be honest on the podcast, you know, with you. all I hope it happens. Whatever happens, though, I will say this. Jerome and I will be ready no matter what. So if it happens, we're ready. If it doesn't, we're ready, you know, and we're going to be doing what we did once COVID hit at the same time. We were grinding before. Once COVID hit, we continued to grind 
and got better. So we'll just keep on going and keep on pushing. And no matter the situation, you know, we're just going to be ready in season as well as out of season. I mean, that's just me. What do you say, Jerome? That's the perfect answer right there. I can't even come <laughs> back after that. I mean, you said everything that I would say. That's it. It's so clear that David and Jerome work in cadence with each other on and off the track. They're such a great example of how the most powerful relationships require give and take. Fingers crossed all is well with the world and Team Bravery can compete again this year. I can't wait to watch them dance across the finish line in their next competition. Jerome and David, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had so much fun talking to you guys. Your energy is contagious. It makes me want to run and get out there and do so much more than I think I can. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted and created by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Sylvia Thomas, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motila and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it and we read all of your reviews, so please not only subscribe, but rate and review the show wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. (laughs) 